0: Zechariah 1 beginning at verse 1 This is God's holy and infallible word In the 8th month of the 2nd year of Darius the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah son of Berechiah the son of Ido The Lord was very angry with your forefathers Therefore tell the people this is what the Lord Almighty says Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your forefathers, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, this is what the Lord Almighty says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? And then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. So I feel that doing a sermon series on Zechariah requires just a little bit of explanation We've done sermon series on a number of books of the Bible just in the last few years. 2 Corinthians, Ruth, Daniel, more recently the Gospel of John and the Book of Romans. None of those books require a lot of explanation, I think. We know something of them if we've been a Christian for a while. But I think doing a series on Zechariah does. It's considered, and I learned this as I started into it. Unfortunately, it's considered one of the most difficult books to interpret in all the Bible. It's one of the minor prophets which we don't tend to know a whole lot about except for Jonah. We know Jonah. He's a minor prophet. It's one of the minor prophets. And you know, I wonder how many of us have turned to Zechariah in our personal devotions, our family devotions in the last month, last year, last five years. And yet, we're going to tackle this. One of the main reasons initially was because a year ago in uh, the Friday morning men's Bible study, we did a study of this book. And in that Bible study, we were all amazed at this book we didn't know much about. We were amazed at how interesting it was And even though there were parts that were very difficult, there were many things that we found surprisingly clear and relevant to our lives, so much so uh, that after that study, I thought it would be great one day for the whole church to learn about Zechariah. And I think these months leading up to Christmas are going to be the perfect time to do it. As always, we approach... God's Word, this series, with with humility. As God's people, we put ourselves below God's Word, and we want God to speak to us. And we're especially humbled by this book with some of the challenges of interpretation. But I'm also very, very confident that God's going to use this study to draw us closer to himself and to build us up here as a people at Faith Church. The sermon series is, Do You See What I See? And it's called that especially because all of the visions that we're going to see in this book, but it's especially because of who the visions point us to. And for this morning, I want you to see what I see in these first verses as a way to give a little introduction to the book. First of all, we see the tragic history of God's people in the Old Testament. In this book, Zechariah, we're very near the end of that Old Testament history. And at the end of the Old Testament, you'll find all of these books named after prophets. You got the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then 12, what we call minor prophets, littler prophets. The prophets' job was to speak God's word to God's people. They were like preachers. Some of them were kind of like crazy preachers, but they were basically proclaimers of God's word. And sometimes God would even give them a prophecy about the future. Their ministry would always overlap with the king. God called Zechariah in the second year of King Darius. And that should immediately make us scratch our heads. King Darius, where does he fall in among all the kings of Israel? Well, he wasn't a king of Israel at all. He was king of the Persian Empire. Reading of Darius and hearing in the second verse that God was very angry with the people's forefathers reminds us of the history of God's people in Old Testament times. God tells the people in Zechariah's day not to be like their forefathers. And in verse 4, turn from your evil ways. The history was this in a nutshell. There was a colossal failure to follow God's word in the Old Testament. God sent prophets to remind the people, call them back to God's ways, but as God says here, they didn't listen. How did they not listen? Well, we can summarize how they didn't listen in just two big areas. There was a failure at the vertical dimension of life. The people did not worship and serve God alone, but instead they worshiped false gods too. Or when they did worship God, they did it in ways that suited their fancy. God in his word tells his people who to worship alone, and he tells his people how to worship him. So they didn't listen to God's word at the vertical level in terms of their relationship to God. At the horizontal dimension of life, there was reason for God to be angry, too. God's word tells his people how to live in relationship to others. There, the prophets pointed again and again and again to how the people dropped the ball in terms of caring for the least of these. God had highlighted from the very beginning that the people had a special responsibility, his people had a special responsibility to look out for the needy and the destitute, to not let them rot like happened in the pagan nations around them. Reminds us at a day like this, I believe it's Life Chain Sunday, it reminds us of our desire as Christians to protect the rights of the unborn in our day. God's word then especially talked about the poor, the widow, the orphan. And the alien in the land. The alien were foreigners who were trying to make a living in Israel due to a famine or whatever crisis in their country. God said to his people, care for those in need. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, those were all prophets during the reign of Israel's kings. Reminding the people again and again of God's word. After closing their ears to God's word, continually, God finally allowed neighboring nations to take his people into captivity. The Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, Jerusalem, their capital was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. The land was devastated. But God's word still came to God's people, even in this time of exile, through prophets like Ezekiel and Daniel. Then, a number of years later, Persia rose to power in the ancient Near East. Their policy was different than yanking people out of their homeland. They allowed exiled peoples to return to their country of origin. And that's what we're dealing with in Zechariah. Persian Empire is reigning. A number of people went back to Jerusalem, God's word came after the exile to his people too with a word. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So we're at the very end of this long and kind of sad Old Testament history. A small remnant of God's people are back home trying to rebuild out of the devastation. The second thing that I I want you to see this morning is God's gracious invitation to his people, despite that history of their forefathers and foremothers rejecting God. "'Return to me, and I will return to you,' declares the Lord Almighty." We're in the Old Testament for this series, and sometimes people want to make this big distinction between the Old and New Testament. There is a difference between the Old and New Testament. There's a reason one is old and one is new. But they'll sometimes say that in the Old Testament, it's all about judgment. In the New Testament, it's all about God's love and grace. And that's, that's not quite so accurate when we go back and forth between the Testaments. The fact is, Jesus has some very strong words of judgment in the New Testament, and there is a lot of grace and mercy in the Old. The fact that God sent, that there are all these books of the prophets is a sign of God's grace, because even though His people were turning away, He kept reminding them of His Word, of His grace. So, and then the fact that he's coming here and he's calling them to return, that's God's grace. That's his generous mercy. And what it is, is this is an invitation. You could take it as a command. Return to me. And to a certain extent, of course, it's it's a command. But we know that a lot of the commands in the Old Testament are best understood as invitations. One big example is praise the Lord. We have that in the Psalms again and again. Yes, of course, it's it's a command of sorts, but it's especially an invitation. It's a call. "Praise, Praise the Lord, people of God. And this return to me is a gracious invitation for people to follow the Lord. It's a gracious invitation for people with a bad history. It's a gracious invitation for people with a poor track record. People like them, people like you and me too. God graciously gives us an opportunity to return to him. And then he says, And I will return to you. We could take that as a conditional. God will only draw near to us if we first draw near to him. We've got to make the first move. But that's not quite right from what we know about our God. God takes the initiative always. God's taking the initiative even in this invitation. God is reaching out to his people through Zechariah. And this title of God is that we have a number of times in our verses reminds us of that. The Lord Almighty, it literally means the Lord of hosts. And that tells us that our God is strong, that he's powerful, he's in control, he's sovereign over our lives, over the nations of the earth. And in his sovereignty, he comes down to us. He reaches out to us before we were ever looking for him, with his grace and calls us to himself and we're invited to respond. The reason we can respond and succeed where the Old Testament people failed is because of the third thing to see in this book and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus came in the fullness of time Because it became so painfully clear that people on their own in whatever century they live cannot possibly remain close to God. God sent his son in our place to receive the anger of God for sin. Jesus took our place and successfully followed God's word and lived for him in the vertical and the horizontal dimensions of life. The Old Testament people were looking forward to his finished work, and we look back on it, but it's always him, and only him, that makes it possible for us to return to the Lord. This book is all about Jesus. It's looking forward to Jesus coming, and that's why I chose it as we look ahead to Christmas. Starting next week, we're going to get into what are called the night visions in the first chapters of the book, and they start right away in verse 7. We'll start there next week. They're incredible. I I'm, I'm, I'm think it would be kind of cool if it, they might inspire some of our artists in this church. They're just they're dramatic. They're, they're, they're a challenge to interpret, but one thing is very clear. They are all pointing us to Jesus. There's a great Bible interpreter that says this about Zechariah No Old Testament prophet has more prophecy concerning Christ, Israel, the nations in so short a book. Listen to this Zechariah Zach- predicts. All this about Jesus, the second coming, the reign of Christ, his priesthood, his kingship, his humanity, his deity, his building of the temple of the Lord, his coming in lowliness, his bringing permanent peace, his rejection and betrayal and crucifixion, and his being smitten by the sword of the Lord. So I hope you're beginning to see why we're going to be looking at this book. We've named the series after. The Christmas song, Do You See What I See? Because what we see truly in this book is Jesus. He's the center of our lives. We want him to be the foundation and center and leader of faith church. And we need Jesus more than ever before today. I, uh, I, I talk to my dad at least a few times a week. You know him. Uh, he's preached here before. We were, we were talking in the middle of the week about a tragedy in our nation that happened in the middle of this week. So my dad shared with me something he remembered as a boy uh, in the late 50s. Something his dad told him. My grandpa Shuringa said this to him way back then, late 50s, might have been early 60s. He said to my dad, grandpa Shuringa said, son, someday someone is going to knock on your door, hold a gun to your head, and ask if you're a Christian. And if you are, he's going to pull the trigger. My dad, as a good son, listened closely to that, remembered it, but I don't think he really believed it would ever happen in his lifetime in this country. There was another school shooting this past week in the Oregon Community College. There's something really important about those killings that the New York Times, at least in the initial reports, did not mention, but a lot of other news sources did. That gunman came into a classroom shooting, and while he was reloading, Killed a couple people initially there. While he was reloading, he told the Christians in the classroom to stand up out of their desk. And he said, you believe in God? Well, you're going to see him in just about one second. And then he shot and killed them. Our world is heading for tough days. People seem and are I believe, more and more antagonistic toward Christians like this guy. And we remember Jesus' words that they will hate us because of him. It's in the midst of this world that we're living in that this gracious invitation comes to us. Return to me. And friends, we gladly respond because we know that Jesus is our only hope. And we don't want to delay our response. We don't want to drag our feet. We need to run to Jesus today, more than ever. Young people who are here, maybe you're college age, high school, middle school, grade school, have you responded to God's invitation? There is so much exciting, important stuff going on in your lives these days. I get it. I hope you're enjoying your studies in school. Maybe you're not all enjoying that. I hope you're doing well in those studies and engaged in them. I hope you're enjoying your friends, other activities. Boy, as a family, we're enjoying our family these days. Volleyball games with our older girls, Oktoberfest this weekend at Timothy. If you don't know what it is, I'm not even going to try to explain it to you because it's just nuts. Good nuts. Youth group activities, stuff with friends. Our families doing all that. Sarah and I are loving it. Life can be so good and so rich, young people. But there's something that's more important than all of it. When suffering comes your way, or if someone, heaven forbid, should threaten your life, And eternity is one second away. Will you know where you stand? Will you know you are safe with Jesus? Have you professed his name? Are you living for him? Are you focused on those things that will make a difference for eternity? We sing a song around here called, I Believe. And it goes, these are the things I believe. This is what I live and die for. And I'm here to tell you, our faith in Jesus is that important. This is a matter of life and death. It really is. The invitation is that serious. Return to me, says God, and I will return to you. So do you see what I see? God's call to run to Jesus, our Savior, our refuge today and forever, saying yes to that invitation. That will prepare us for the very worst that could ever happen in life, and it will give meaning and fulfillment for all the rest of your activities and living too. Amen.